For grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, friends, in our Gospel lesson for today, we find many hard and difficult sayings, don't we? Indeed, we find people coming kind of out of the woodwork with this desire to follow Jesus. They're, they're giving very big promises. Lord, I will follow you even to the ends of the earth. And then it seems that, yes, they ask, simply for something very reasonable. Let me go home and take care of my affairs. Let me go home and say goodbye to my father. Let me go home and, and bury my loved one. Just give me a, a couple days, a week at the most perhaps, and I will follow you all of my days. Indeed, the, the simplicity of the asking is kind of reinforced by our Old Testament lesson for today, isn't it? Because Elisha, right, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, a man that, that we're told in the Scripture was able to do twice as many miracles as Elijah. You know, some would maybe say, that makes it twice as good even. What does he do? When called to be a prophet, he says, let me go home and say goodbye to my parents. Let me put my affairs in order. We're told that, yes, he went home, he slaughtered his yoke of oxen, and he had a giant party of farewell. Well, sure, for him, there's no going back. He just got rid of his oxen, right? How's he going to farm after this? But yet he makes that very simple request that Elijah grants it. He says, you know, well, you know, what, what have I done to you? Go take care of your affairs. And so once again, the people coming to Jesus in our text for today, they seem to be asking for something very simple. Let me just do what Elisha did back in the Old Testament. Let me just have a farewell. Let me just say goodbye. And Jesus, he seems very hard on these people, doesn't he? For with each request that comes to him, he then states, You're not worthy. If you put your, your shoulder to the plow and then you look back, you are not worthy. If I call you to come and follow me and you hesitate, you say, oh, just let me do this other thing. Jesus says, you are not worthy. But dear friends, I've stood before you on many occasions and I've kind of told you that the secret is <coughs> you probably are already guessing just where I'm going. For the fact of the matter is, and, and yeah, we hate to admit it, but the fact of the matter is none of us 
are worthy. Aren't we? The Bible says, in fact, that we all have sinned, that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that no one can make it into heaven under his or her own power, that we need help. And that help, of course, is Jesus. You see, really, as our Lord and Savior begins to make some of these very hard suggestions, as he teaches these very hard sayings, what he really wants to accomplish is that he would break us down. That he would drive us, in fact, to our knees. That we, in helplessness, would call out and say, Lord, you're right, I am not worthy, but Lord, you died to make me worthy. Lord, I admit I can't do it under my own power. Lord, I need you. And dear friends, really, as Jesus makes these hard sayings throughout the scripture, that is exactly the point. Because guess what? He's talking to a generation that is really just like our own. You think about it, how do we, we see young people raised today? Well, young people are, are taught that religion doesn't really matter and that inside you're a good and decent person apart from Christ. Because we're not going to mention Him. And so you go to the preschool and you go to the public school and everyone is saying, oh, you're so wonderful and oh, you have so much potential and oh, you know, if we have an athletic contest, we're going to give everybody a participation award, you know, because we don't want anyone to ever feel bad. We don't want anyone to ever feel inadequate. We want everyone to just kind of feel like they're okay. Certainly without Christ. So we don't want to mention his name ever. And so separated from our Christian religion, separated from God, separated from our Savior, a lot of authorities in our land are telling everyone they are okay. In fact, everyone is special. Have you thought about that? If everyone is special, it really means no one is actually special, doesn't it? Because the word special means set apart, right? And so somehow if everyone is set apart, nobody is really there. Nobody is, is really set apart. And so Jesus comes into a society much like our own where everyone thinks they're the next Elisha. Yeah. Everyone thinks that if they just had a chance to show what they could do, they would be amazing. 
apart from Christ. That we don't need Him. And that really is the fallacy of our current generation, isn't it? Why are people not coming to the church? Why are the pews no longer full? Why are so many churches becoming bars and yoga studios? It's because so many people actually believe they don't need Jesus to make it any longer. So many people actually have that feeling that they are good enough. And when they read through the Bible, if they bother, and they don't quite measure up to some of the standards, they just kind of think, well, who cares about that standard? I'm better than Sally over there. I'm better than Sam over there. Look at me, I do most of the things right. As you're talking with friends and neighbors, you hear it time and time again, don't you? There's always in their mind that, that kind of weighted system where they say, well, you know what, I, I did this really bad thing and then I maybe did two or three other minor bad things but those will be outweighed by the good I have done. And the presupposition is, again, I am okay. I don't need a Savior. Now maybe when Jesus died upon the cross, it was good for all those people in prison. You see, because those people in prison, they really, they need a hand, don't they? But as for me, I am good. And so you ask him, okay, on that last day, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and God is going to judge you, and how are you going to justify yourself? How are you going to argue your case before God? Again, some people, they, they say to themselves, well, well God will just you know, let me in. God will just you know, get, get out his ledger, and you know, my ledger, it, it's going to be in the black instead of in the red. And God is just going to look down there and He's going to say, well, you know, at, at least you had one penny in your account of righteousness. Very good. Come on. That's kind of what they believe, isn't it? Other people say, well, God is just kind of like Santa Claus, you know? And Santa Claus, you know, he, he kind of threatens to, you know, give you a lump of coal or a stick if you're naughty that year. But who has that ever happened to? Right? And so he just kind of like this kindly old man with this nice long beard, and he just kind of smiles, and he just kind of, you know, overlooks things, and he just kind of says, oh, it's okay, come sit on my lap and I'll give you a hug. 
no matter what we've done. Well, dear friends, really, if, if God is a judge like that, we would say he's a really bad judge, wouldn't we? You know, if someone was out there and, and through their purposeful negligence, they caused the death of your loved one, and then you went to sit in the court on that day when that person was being judged, and, and the judge just kind of opened up a ledger, and he said, oh, well, look at all the good things. Sam dead. I don't think it would be good for him to serve time in jail for killing your loved one. I think I'll just let Sam go. How would you feel about that? Right, you would say that is the worst judge imaginable. And you would probably spend the rest of your life trying to get that fella out of office. You'd be writing to your congressmen, to the senators, and to the judicial review board. You'd be organizing your friends and, and family to, to get that guy's career ended. Here, my loved one died. And the judge just said, oh, that's okay. Look at all the good the killer did before that event. No, dear friends, we kind of still understand what is right and what is wrong. And we understand that God is going to judge us on that last day. And we trust the Word of God that says that we all have sinned, that we all have fallen short. We trust that Word that says it doesn't matter how much black I have in my ledger if I have a little bit of red at any point. I failed. And so Jesus, he comes into, yes, our society today, just as he did those 2,000 years ago. And he brings that word of judgment, the word that says, you're not okay. The word that says, you're no Elisha. The word that says, hey, I need to remind you about something. You're not going to make it. And that's the law, isn't it? And the purpose of the law is to break us down. The purpose of the law is that we would admit we're not okay. Because if I'm not okay, then I need a savior. When I finally understand I'm not okay, then I need Jesus. When I'm able to admit I can't do it under my own power, then I can get some help. Can't I? You know, one of the, the most amazing things that, that I saw in my time out in North Dakota was a, a farmer that refused to get help. And it, it just was so amazing to me. He got his combine stuck in the mud. 
And he wouldn't ask anyone for help. And so he got his big truck out and he got his truck out there and, and he put it in front of the combine and he chained his big truck up to the combine. And then he jumped in the combine and he started up and he put it in here and the, the combine, you know, he had a, the gas pedal wedged down and the, the tires were turning on the combine and then he jumped out of the combine he ran he jumped into his big truck and he put that in here and so there he was pulling his own combine out of the mud by himself. I was going to die. Right? Because it came free of the mud. And so here is the truck, and here is the combine, and they're both cruising across the field. Right? And there's only him. And he, he's in the truck in front. But he survived. There, there's no big catastrophe. But isn't that just like people today. I can do it myself. I can pull my own combine out of the mud. Thank you very much. And make it happen. And Jesus comes into that very situation and he says, man, maybe, maybe you survived that one time. Look at your neighbor. Dear lady, I was ministering to in North Dakota as well, right? Big old tractor wheel. She slipped and, and fell behind the tractor. Tractor wheel went right across through here, broke her collarbone, broke all her ribs. Right? In the hospital, trying to rehabilitate her shoulder for years to come. But Jesus, he comes to us in order to say, you need help. You're not okay. Nine times out of ten, you try to get your own combine out of the mud, you're probably going to have a big accident. You need someone. You need a savior. And dear friends, it's only when you and I can get to that place, it's only when, yes, perhaps that sharp rebuke comes, it's only when Jesus himself says to us, you're not worthy. You're not the next Elisha. You're not the one that's going to go do all of this great work on my behalf without any of my assistance. You need this. You need it. And dear friends, that is the point exactly where I believe then Jesus finally turns back and he smiles at us. When we're finally able to get over our own selves, when we're finally able to set our pride aside, when we're finally able to bow the knee. But maybe even you and I were on our face 
in the dirt, crying out and saying, Lord, I tried my way, I did my best, I worked my hardest, and I still couldn't overcome. I still couldn't break the sin. I still couldn't do what you asked of me. I need you. I'm not okay. And that is when our Lord then He comes to us in our weakness. He kneels down beside us in that dusty road. He takes our head in His hands and He says, My child, I have saved you. My little one, I have made a place for you in the heavens. The one that I love and hold dear, you're coming home to be with me for all eternity. I will walk with you, beside you, every single day. And I will strengthen you in the times when you feel weak. And I will support you in the times when you feel alone. And I will carry you even in my strong arms on the days when you feel you can't go on. Dear friends, it is truly in our weakness that we become strong. And it's only when we depend on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we are able to overcome the obstacles in this world. You see, the sayings of Jesus, they might appear to be hard. And they might even seem harsh at times. But the purpose, the purpose is to break our pride. The purpose is that we would acknowledge we are not perfect. That we have made mistakes. That yes, even we have sinned. That we need something more than just an inflated ego. We need something more than just people telling us that we're okay. We need a Savior. Someone Yes, that saves us. Someone that doesn't just give us a bunch of good advice or someone that doesn't just kind of pump us up and hope that you know we can make it through, but someone who would actually die upon a cross to open the way to heaven for all believers. Someone who would actually see our weak condition, our brokenness, and make a way to strengthen us, and make a way to provide us with the thing that we need most desperately. Salvation. And when that salvation comes, when we have finally gotten to the place where we can admit, I'm not okay, 
then with that great love of Jesus rushing into our hearts, with, with that great support of our Lord and Savior, we can move forward in gratefulness, can't we? And thinking of all that our Savior has done for us, we then naturally begin to want to do the things of God. And considering the many terrible conditions Jesus endured for our salvation, we then desire to begin to please Him. And then with Him walking beside us every step of the way and even carrying us at times, we long to be on that path. And the greatest joy of our heart becomes those words of the Bible. And the greatest longing of our soul becomes that desire to do it God's way. And with our Savior walking beside us and supporting us through the trials of this life, we find that we can overcome and we find that with the mark of Jesus upon our heart and in our mind, we are special. Not in and of ourselves, but because God loved us first. And on that last day, when the gates of heaven are thrown open and we're ushered into the presence of God and the holy angels and our loved ones, who have died in the Lord, we'll be able to say, I'm okay. But not because of me. I'm okay because of what Jesus has done for me. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds, now and always. Amen.